Indo Coffee. Mm-hmm. Indo Columbia. Oh, that's their brand, right? That's their brew. Yeah, it's really good. Nice. Yeah. We're hot, just so you know. All right. Rock and roll. All right. So we were upstairs, and you were about to start talking to me, and I was like, no, wait. Wait till we get downstairs. And you were like, yeah. I, I love what I get to do, or I love what God's called me to do. What were you gonna? Yeah. What were you gonna tell me? Yeah, I I um I love what I get to do every day. I get to uh, if I well, it's it's random. Every day's random, uh, seemingly random. Right. But from a human standpoint, from somebody who's trapped in time, it's random. You know, from a eternal perspective it's planned and it's uh yesterday for example i uh, i go to uh i go to a uh a place that i frequent often now these days a place called Euromania. where's that it's in elgin okay and uh the owner of it guy by the name of joey is from boca raton florida and he opened a a restaurant in Elgin. I think and, you told me about this guy once, didn't you? Yeah, he recently came to the Lord. Ah, you've been talking to him for what? Oh, months, a year? Months? I, oh, yeah, months. since March. Okay. But but you know, just yesterday, I, I I work with people from all over the place, and this guy he was born in Waco, Texas. Mm-hmm. He grew up in Boca Raton, I guess. It sounds like it to me. But uh, he came here, and I'm still trying to figure out why he came to Columbia. <laughs> I think he is, too. <laughs> I think a lot of people who live in Columbia are. <laughs> this, is, this is true. <laughs> so he says to me, he says, uh, I asked him, I said, Joey, why, why Columbia? Why Elgin in specific? And he said, it's the only place I could find to open a restaurant. I'm like, that's odd. What does that mean? The only place he could find. He looked all like, over. There was Columbia. no place else in yeah. the entire like it's Columbia what it area. Sounds like. So I said, Joey, didn't, it, it's no accident you ended up in Columbia. We were spent. We were supposed to meet. Yeah. And he quickly agreed. But yesterday, and this is a conversation that took place uh, months ago. But yesterday, I go in there, and he's working mm-hmm. with his people, and they do a really good job. If you get a chance to go to Euromania in Elgin, South Carolina. Go for it. Why is it called Euromania? Just it's a, by it, the way. When I first like, met him, like I said I Euro, wish... like he's a European, or Euro, like eat a Euro. You're, eat a Euro with a G. Greek. Yeah. Oh, so he's a Greek dude. No, he's actually he's half German and half Italian. His mom's Italian. His dad is is a German. Okay, guy. this is making more sense every yeah, every yeah, minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> long we're gonna be quoting uh saturday night love uh <laughs> but uh um he and he 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 gets to know this guy who owns this greek restaurant in south florida mm-hmm. Boca. and uh, one thing leads to another and he eventually gets to the place where he wants to franchise okay. out, out of the state of florida which initially was there was no way. Right. Well, it all works out. And he ends up in living in Blythewood, but he ends up opening a restaurant. There was a Highway 55 burger place closing down in Elgin. 
and uh, the people who owned the building were looking for somebody to, to, you know, set up shop mm -hmm. and he got a pretty good deal. And perhaps that's, you know, there was some restraints there and that's why it was the only place he could find. But I said to him, I said, Joey, you know, as well as I do, this was an accident. And, and, and reason I share that story is that is emblematic of, <laughs> it happens every day. People I meet, uh, strange, odd situations. I get to know people. I love people first and foremost, and I love helping them if I can. Uh, and, uh, daily, I, every day I wake up and I say, all right, what do you have on, on in store for me today, Lord? And random things happen you know, seemingly. And Joey is just an example of that. Interesting. It is. So this is a question that I ask myself all the time. Uh, and it's, I know it's a question that a lot of people I talk to who even aren't, I don't want to use the strong, I don't want to use the term super strong in their faith because I don't know whether they are or not. Like ultimately that's their decision to make. Right. They, I know that they don't talk about the Lord a lot. I know that they don't go to church a lot. Um, those two, two things are not directly related in many cases. But, you know, one of the questions that always kind of gets asked in conversation when I'm talking to those people is if God was in control of the world, right? Why does the world look the way it looks like today? Mm great question and when you look at you know the people that i do cross path with paths with all the time whether it's in coaching whether it's in this kind of hunting community that i've just gotten tied into in the last year or so or whether it's just in in communities i like to hang out with in general super strong patriots right and so there's this kind of juxtaposition of them having this perception of you know the ideals and 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 morals of our country kind of gradually going downhill but i also see that as it parallels the decline in christianity mm -hmm. and the decline in faith in general by our society mm -hmm. i'd love to get how do you look at that well everybody has faith even the atheists they'll they'll try faith to in what you. right they'll try to convince you they don't have faith <laughs> i uh i taught for 31 years at a local high school here in christian high school ben Lippin. uh and i ran across uh, a variety of of individuals because they had a resident program and, and people from all over the world and so i met a variety of people but i was kind of i was really a taken aback one day when one of the sons of one of our teachers proclaimed he was an atheist and he had a very good friend who was atheist. And, and what was, did you think, what was your perception of, of him before he ever told you that? Just smart, smart, smart. Okay. That, was, that was my initial. And I still think it, of him as right. intelligent, smart. How did that come out in class or in a one-on-one -on -one conversation? No, his performance in the classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd never had him until he was a junior. Okay. But I remember, you know, telling him, you're, you're dishonest. And, and the worst dishonesty is dishonesty with yourself. Right. Because, you know, I said, 
you know, you have faith. No, I don't. I believe in predictability. And I said, okay, All right. there, you know, there's something to that. But at the end of the day, you exercise faith daily. We exercise faith. You know, when we get in a car, we exercise faith when we, faith when we go to turn on the water to take a shower in the morning. I mean, variety of ways. Of course, there's predictability in everything, but some things there, there's no predictability. Mm-hmm. And so I believe firmly, I, I don't, I don't think it can be argued. Everybody has faith. The, the difference is the object of our faith. And, you know, as you know, when I was five years old, my mom died. And right. I began to ask questions as a five-year-old that uh, no five-year-old should be asking himself. And, uh, and the circumstances lended to it in my life. And uh, I, I remember as a five-year-old, wrestling with the question, how can God have no beginning? And uh, of course I'm still wrestling with that question. I was going to say that's, that's the one that even if you're a really, really strong believer, you still, we just have a hard time wrapping our heads around something that's not earthly, right. Or not of this world in terms of, because everything that we know and understand is perceived through that lens. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's rather arrogant to think that my world is the only world. Yeah. And uh, those who, sh- who have more, who've entertained more inter- arrogance in their own soul will struggle with that more than others. And uh, we could go on and on about that. But, you know, uh, it, it, brokenness is a really good thing. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. Nobody, per- you know, pursues it. But brokenness is a really good thing because it, it brings us to a place where we recognize I'm not all that. I need help. And those who are unwilling to ask for help are the saddest of all, in my opinion. Uh, throughout Scripture, God prizes humility. Mm-hmm. He opposes the proud. James chapter 4, verse 6, gives grace to the humble. And... Um, so at five years old, I, I started, I started entertaining this, you know, the possibility of there being a God and, but I had mixed messages in my life. I'm not going to go into all the details, but there were people in my life who called themselves Christians who were the furthest thing from it, but I didn't know it then. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what it was really about. Uh, and in fact, I'm still learning after I've been a believer now since October of 81 1981 and i'm i'm still figuring things out and and that'll be the case till i die and then it's questionable what we'll have figured out after we're dead on this earth but um so as a five-year-old i started wrestling with the deeper questions and uh and when i was a 17 year old kid in high school i had to start i had to start school as a five-year-old with my mom dying And uh, so I was a year behind everybody. Right. And I grew up and I still struggle with it, to be honest with you. I grew up thinking I was less than the other kids because I was. I was a year behind them, you know, in in every possible way, including intellectually. But I didn't I didn't start to put all that together till I was about 30 years old. But it served me and uh, and it still serves me. Uh, because it it 
it keeps me at a place where I learn. You know, if you get to a place where you've arrived in anything, you're in big time trouble. You know, one, one reason why South Carolina did so well against Georgia, and I'm a Georgia fan, but the reason they did so well in that first half against Georgia is one, they executed very well. They played a in, they played a great first half, great game plan. Um, but Georgia really didn't show up. Yeah. And uh, and and Kirby preaches about this over and over and over. You know, complacency is our biggest enemy. Humility is one, you know, game away. Yeah, we were up in Nashville this weekend. Um and my my Lauren and I were driving around. We went down to Franklin and Leapers Fork and some of these areas south of the city. And we were looking around and I had the game on in the car, but I didn't turn it on when it started. I turned it on and it was 14 to nothing or 17 to nothing Carolina. And she was like, Oh my gosh, look at that score. I go, wait till the second half. I said, first of all, I said, I looked at the, the stat sheet, I looked at the box score real quick. And I was like, okay, Rattler's like, 16 for 18 or something at this like i mean he's he's off the, the freaking hook yeah and i said i promise you george is a slept walk into this game they'll wake up in the second half which but it was still pretty good but i i'm following you i'm tracking yeah and and i'm this is a long answer to your question but yeah i was gonna i was gonna say i will make sure we're getting back to yeah, that yeah, right yeah we will <laughs> i've not forgotten good <laughs> yeah i do uh, that that's why that's why i ask because oh, yeah, i do that i do it too <laughs> and that's a good thing though uh, in the end but but so all my life I've had different things to happen to me mm-hmm. that I thought when they happened were bad, but it, it, as it's turning out, it's all really good. You know, Lou Holtz used to say it over and over and over, and I don't know who came up with this quote first, but I love this quote. I've always loved this quote. I don't know if it's eighty percent of life or ninety percent of life. Seems to me that he would say 80 one time 90 another but 80 percent of life is how you respond to the 20 percent of life that happens to you yeah and um and and that is a humble perspective on life and to answer your question why do bad things happen you know why does why did god create all this knowing everything bad was going to come about i i want to ask a group of students uh 11th graders at benlipin uh, are you glad God created you? And for the first time ever, and in fact, it was the only time in my 31 years of teaching Bible there, I had a student say, I wish he had never created me. Now, there, there's more to that answer than right. the eye. And she and I talked quite a bit more. And And again, I think at the end of the day, she was rather dishonest with herself, which I think is just totally um it's the saddest thing in the world in my opinion well you can't really get anywhere if you're not honest with yourself no you're not and to say i i wished i didn't exist i mean that's uh i guess that's the opposite of narcissism (laughs) or maybe it is an expression of narcissism we just don't see deeply enough into it but um but, you know, of course, everybody answers. Philip Yancey is very good at this. I'd, I'd recommend any of his books, but particularly uh, Disappointment with God. You know, one of the greatest books I've ever read with regard to this genre of question. And that's, um, you know, God had to create 
man with a free will if love were going to be involved. And yeah, ultimately, we, we, we were talking about this, right? In our, in our men's group a couple weeks ago, this is from Romans, right? right? That was kind of what spurred the conversation. Right. Yeah. And if, in, in it, it, if without love, what is the point of anything? You know, it's, it's like, um, when I was a, when I was a little boy, when I was 11 years old, I made a decision and, and I, I look back on that decision when I was 11 years old and, and I, I think to myself, how in the world did I know to do what I did? And you can only imagine what I did, but what I was looking for was the affection I didn't get from my mom when I was a five-year-old mm-hmm. onward. And yeah, I understood as a, as a, well, no, I didn't understand it. I, I, I suspected in my soul that what I really longed for was, was love. And that, that's true for all of us. It, it, you know, now what, what stumbles us is that we think we were created to be loved and we are, we were, but it's, there's much, much more to it. We were created to love. And so as a little boy, I began to just wrestle with the whole idea of why do I want people to want me? And uh, in fact, I remember when the mo- the song that Cheap Trick sang, I want you to love I me, want, came out. No, yeah. I want you yeah. to want me. I, I, I remember thinking, now this is a freaky me. group. They're a little <laughs> weird, but you know what? They're on to something. Right. And so it, 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 at the end of the day, it's really about being loved and loving we when we are loved we gain a measure of security from that and of course who who is loving us is going to impact that i mean think about it is there a greater form of love than god's love it can't be by definition he's the supreme being so if i'm loved by him and i understand that loved i should be the most secure person in this world and so from being loved we gain a measure of security. From loving, we gain a measure of significance. And uh, by the way, uh, um, what do you mean when you say that? I, I mean, I get the first part when you say, "From being loved, you gain a measure of security." But when you say, "From loving, we get a measure of significance," when you say that, what do you mean? Yeah, everybody asks the question, "What's my purpose?" Mm-hmm. Why am I on this earth? Right. We're on the earth to, to, to love. And that love being motivated by ourselves, not being loved, motivated by what am I going to get from this person that I'm loving? Of course, most people, they love with the intention of what can I get out of receiving? This? Back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So really their insecurities driving them. To so is to- that really love? That would be the it question. Re- re- it really, it really isn't, isn't, is it? Yeah. I mean, that's not true. No, it really. It's isn't. not true love. Or true love is unselfish, right? It's it's loving because that's you want to love that person. And, that's exactly right. And it's it's hard to get there, and it's hard to stay there. I mean, I, that's a daily battle. The the second part is even harder, I think. Oh, like absolutely. You can kind of go through this journey and and recognize you should be doing that, and and you kind of get get it but staying there is is difficult oh man but it's the best place to possibly be correct 
uh, you know, most the most substance that we are ever going to arrive upon in this world is in that arena of loving no matter what no matter how much you you know no matter how badly you treat me no matter how uh how much you don't respond to my expressions of love i'm still going to love you and it takes it takes a a large set to get there <laughs> and to stay there and uh th this not only translates into <laughs> I should have turned my phone off before I got here. Sorry about that. That's classic. That's the, like it going off in church. Oh, let me tell you right. something. That song right there, I chose it for a reason. Have you ever had that go off in, in your pocket when you're up preaching? Never. Oh. But let me say this. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I, I believe I believe in all of life there's design. The, those words do have a, a a pretty good like if you apply them to what we're talking about oh absolutely yeah and there's a reason why it happened and uh you know when i was a when i was a 12 year old kid i went to thompson's sporting goods in downtown garden city georgia which is just west of savannah mm -hmm. where i grew up okay and they were having a rap the, the, the local radio station 1400 wssga was there. I don't even think it's in, in around anymore. This is before FM. And uh, they're having this, they're having this grand opening for Thompson sporting goods. And they're they, the DJ whom everybody in the area loved was, you know, prizes. And one of my, one of the things that I won was Kansas first album left overture. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to me as a 12 year old kid, Left Overture by Kansas chronicled the seeking of Kerry Livgren, who eventually made his way to believing in the Lord Jesus. And Dust in the Wind came after that, which furthered and you know further chronicled his pursuit. And he tried everything. And the last thing he tried was Jesus. And he discovered, wait a second, he, he, there's a reality here. Mm -hmm. And of course, today he's He's uh he sings about about his relationship with the Lord. Um, so I mean everything in life there's a design, and if I'm willing to bow my will, and that's the that's the hardest thing because there, you know, every week I do stuff and I'm like Lord I don't want to do this. I'm like, he's like I want you to do this, you know, you, you, and it always happens. It never fails when I give in. It always translates into something that brings me to tears, that it, that just amazes me with the tapestry that God is bringing about. And if I say no, and I've I've said no plenty of times, what did I miss out on? And when I say yes, and like our men's group, you yeah. know, I said yes to being a part of it. Man, I'm glad I did that because this is one of the one of the best things, in my opinion. Yeah. So to circle back, are you, is the answer to the question that I asked, which originally was, you know, what do you say to people who are trying to figure out what's going on with our country today? And then I kind of made this equation of, as I see it, I see this parallel and reduction of, of the Christian faith, the reduction of people's beliefs in Jesus Christ at, at kind of paralleling the way our society is declining. But 
is what you're saying that people are so lost and so trying to find love anywhere that that it's kind of turned in on itself as opposed to and i guess this would be my follow up question is do you feel like when the country was founded that those founders were so much more centered in in their faith in jesus christ that that was the kind of core belief of everyone and that's why we had this this unity of purpose and that's just gradually gotten diluted and diluted and diluted in this love of self or I don't want to take liberty with what you're saying. No, no, no. You're, no, you're spot on. Um, first and foremost, our founding fathers were sinners, but they all knew the Bible and that was the key. You know, they all, they all made decisions that were not consistent with the Bible and everybody does. I was going to say, we, you know, we all do. Yeah. Even if we're, even if we're trying to live the way that we believe God wants us to live, even if we're trying, you know, even if we have committed a life to living for Christ, mm -hmm. we're, we still sin every day. Yeah. And, and the motivation behind that, I think is really key. Yeah. I used to, and don't ask me when I stopped, but I used to view Christianity as if I don't do this, something bad's going to happen to me, which was so myopic <laughs> and so lacking in good the guy knowledge. with the uh, the teacher with the ruler at the front of the room, oh, yeah, ready yeah. to smack your hand if you don't do what he tells you to do. Yeah, and, and don't you, know, you think a lot of people view Christianity oh, that yeah, way though? Yeah, like they they don't, they don't read their Bible. They view it view it as a set of rules, right? That you're supposed to follow it's basically a rule book right yeah, and if yeah. and and they look at it and go oh well what you think is if you don't follow the rule book, god's going to punish you and so you follow the rule book just because you're afraid of getting punished i met a man friday he's had a stroke and he's had a heart attack 42 years old oh my gosh and uh he owns a barbecue uh, restaurant and uh and we're sitting there talking and uh, me and my buddy are eating, and uh, he starts telling me a story. So I, I assume, surely, this guy's in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He wasn't. It shocked me. I mean, you would you would think somebody who has a stroke, somebody who's had a heart attack, you would think they would have done their homework that they would have pursued until they got to the place where, okay, I've found out what's really real. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's my story dating back to 1969 when my mom died and, uh, and how I discovered this guy uh, is really not born again. And I, I pray that he soon comes to the Lord. He, he knows all the right answers, but when I asked him, I said, so if you were to die right now, and you were to stand before God and he would ask you, why should I let you in my heaven? What would you say? And he gave me the answer. Almost everybody gives me. I mean, every week. I I'm a good person. I live a good life. I'm kind to others. I take care of my employees. Yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. Right? I'm a good guy. Yeah. I, I've done it. I've done life pretty good. Right. I'm like, that's not enough. Yeah. You're on the precipice of the Grand Canyon and you got to jump. But you can't jump that far. And I said, quite frankly, your answer is an insult to God. 
he kind of looked at me. I said, you know, those who think that they can measure up to truth, whatever you want to call it, it, at the end of the day, it's truth. The law of Moses, you know, the Bible, God's culture, whatever, however you want to put it. Those who think they can measure up to that have an awfully puny view of God. Yeah, it's valid. And, they, and of course, they have an awfully puny view of, of, of the truth. But I don't even think they look at that way. Look at it that way, do you? Like, I don't think they look at it as I'm measuring up to God's truth. I think they just look at it from much more base level of God would never punish a good person. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's they kind of where it comes their, from. They apply their culture to God. Right. People they, do it exactly. all the time. Yeah. I, I do it all the time. Uh, to be honest with you, um, not in the arena of soteriology, the study of salvation, but but a large, large parts of my life, I do that. And I think it's endemic to us all. Well, so I think it's our default. Yeah, I think we have to make ourselves not do it. That's exactly and that's right. why being in the word is so important all the time, yeah. because that's the only way we can, we can re recenter ourselves to God's expectation of, of right. what we should be doing and how we should be living versus our own. And, and what we don't understand is that the more we know God's thoughts, which is his culture, it, it frees us more. I used to love asking students, what is freedom? And they'd always give me the, the same answer, the ability to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And I'm like, is that your final answer? <laughs> and we'd have a debate. And eventually somebody, unassuming, quite frankly, it was always that unassuming person. They would always lead us down a path that was different. Mm -hmm. And they, they understood to some degree. That's not the answer. I mean, we have multiple examples of how that's not true. I mean, if God gives us enough leash, we hang ourselves every time. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, leave it to someone who's not a believer. Give them as much latitude, freedom, money, everything as they want. How often does it end well? doesn't right i mean i i lived that situation with which you know the whole situation with with my son and some of the stuff we went through in the last year with him but it, slow road back but i had this conversation with him a couple of weeks ago and i asked him did it all turn out the way you thought it was gonna when you made that decision and he's like no i said well how was it different it it wasn't it kind of sucked <laughs> I said, well, you got to do everything you wanted, right? You got, you made the choice you wanted. Supposedly you're given every bit of latitude because part of the conversation, right, was I had rules and restrictions and, and expectations on him that he didn't want. Um, and, mo and that all got lifted. And he was like, no, it didn't. It sucked. Which led to a, a deeper conversation, which I think, you know, is a good conversation. So hopefully it's going the right direction. But it's just a small example of what we see systemically everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the real freedom is the ability to operate according to the specifications with which we've been made. And we don't like that. You know, why, why God, everybody asks the question, why did you make me the way I am? Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe, and this is, you know, this is perhaps, going to shock some people, but I believe that even our poor choices 
factor in overall to the outcome that God desires in our lives. Not that he causes us to sin or make bad decisions, but he allows us to do that. And it becomes a part of the tapestry that comes out of it. You, you, you know, but doesn't that hold that thought? But I was going to say, doesn't that come back to one of the points you made really early on, which is God had to create us with free will. Right. Right. No if, question. If he had created minions who just did exactly what he told them to do, there's no real love involved in that. Well, you, you know, what's really interesting. I'm studying Genesis right now. Mm. First chapter, you see the name Elohim, which is the creative, all powerful name of God. And then shortly toward the end of chapter one, God starts to introduce a second name. And it's, it's always in the scriptures, uh, spelled L-O-R-D capitals, all capitals, Yahweh. Uh, in fact, you know, Orthodox Jews won't even say that this name. Uh, they won't even spell it. Why not? Because they, they believe that it's too holy. Oh. And, and they, they don't want to detract from it. Okay. As if we could detract from God, which is another, <laughs> oh, that's a rabbit hole. Different thing. conversation completely. Yeah, absolutely. But he introduces, and when he creates Adam and Eve, and when he, when, and they're onward, and you see it really take hold with Abraham, the name Lord, Yahweh, the covenantal relationship name of God. Life really is about relationships, human relationships, there are relationships between the stars and the way they're laid out. Right. We've, we've discovered all of the patterns that are there. Uh, I mean, all the, the space, uh, the, uh, the exploration of space, uh, the Hubble telescope, so much of what we've learned through all of that, which is vast and it continues to be vast is that, relationship is what it's really all about you know obviously it's about god mm -hmm. ultimately it's about him but it's me knowing him and <laughs> i've gotten to know him and I, I i've got a long way to go i don't want to sound like i've got god created or, or god figured out but i've gotten to know him best on the heels of my greatest failures and He's not bothered by that. Uh, I would echo that. Oh, you know? well, if anybody's honest. Mm -hmm. Or the <laughs> one know, thing I would add to that is it wasn't always a failure. Sometimes it was um, a weakness. Some expression of right, lack. Right. Or some, or sometimes it was just a, a brokenness. Or in, in my case, also not that I like basically it was another step deeper was having your will completely removed to overcome a specific situation. The, yeah. the removal of, of your pride. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, God created us to know him, but, and that's, that's where we learn what love really is, honestly. And I, I mean, there's so many questions in that arena. <laughs> that I'm wrestling with. I mean, they're practical. They're practical, you know, questions, not just theoretical questions.
but real, real practical. You know, how does this come to bear, God, and my relationship with my wife? You know, don't you think though? Um, at least this is I, this is the last one I just mentioned, but I think this has this one is a huge impediment, and that is pride. Oh yeah, right, and that whether that impacts you the way you relate to your spouse, your whoever you love, um, whether that impacts the way you relate to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, whether that impacts the way you relate to society mm-hmm. and society, you know, telling you this is this is a fundamental truth, mm-hmm. right? A, the pride, the the idea that you're not going to tell me what's true and what's not mm-hmm. because I know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just when you think you've got it figured out, God brings, God throws a slider that you've never seen before. But like you said, when you were talking about the gentleman that owned the the restaurant, right? And you said, I would have thought after, you know, the, the first physical situation, the second physical situation, that there would have been ex- some exploration, you know, not about what am I doing wrong, but more about, what am I potentially missing? How could I potentially, I don't even know how to ask the question the right way, but I know that those kind of situations have caused me to continue to explore and deepen my relationship. That's where we went to this man and I Friday night. I said, you know, ultimate, your ultimate question, because he made the statement that he believes that there are many ways to God. Although he would say he's a Christian. He believes there's many ways to God. So I'm like, you know, so we talked about John 14, 6. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He and didn't how, say, I'm the, I'm a way. I'm the way. How did he respond to that? He what just kind of looked at me. He, he had, he'd never entertained the question. Okay. And obviously. And I said, your problem is you don't read the Bible. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I don't read the Bible? I said, you don't know it. You <laughs> might read it, but you don't know it. That's not reading it. You know, in my opinion, if you're going to read the Bible, you need to. And, and it's not a case of memory. So did he say, did he think he was a Christian? Did oh, he yeah. say that he was a oh, Christian? Oh, yeah, he'd say I'm a Christian. But he doesn't. But when you asked him, how do you know you're going to heaven? He didn't say anything about I'm, salvation. I'm a good guy. I, I asked him, I said, what? why didn't you tell me that? If that's what you believe, you know, the question is, and, and I said, the ultimate question you've got is what is truth? Mm-hmm. That's your ultimate question. Right. And then just, just outside that on the patio of that question is how do I find truth? You know, uh, and, and of course I believe the ultimate source of truth is the Bible. Of course, a lot of people would say, Oh, well, what about this? And, you know, they, they create these straw man arguments that reveal they're not honest with the truth. Or themselves. More importantly, themselves. (laughs) Yeah. And they're playing this little game that everybody wants to play because nobody wants to be ultimately accountable to God. Or themselves. I find that that's, I mean, I completely agree with what you said, but I think their true self, their true self. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many people, like you said, lie to themselves and are not honest with themselves. Yeah. And if you're not able to do that, you can't ever really find God. Yeah. Right. Because you're too busy lying to yourself about what you're doing. Okay. And what you're doing. Right. And you know, why, you know, why your things are fine. 
I, you know what? You know what blows me away, Eric. And I'm guilty. Okay, I need to tell you, I'm I'm guilty of this. And so, but it's amazing how often we use God or truth to get what we want. Meaning, meaning. I mean, essentially, we say to God, you know, God, my will, not yours. You know, I I, I hear people all the time. God, answer my prayer. What do you mean your prayer? I prayed that he would heal me. And uh, that's a good thing. Well, what if God didn't heal you? Would that be okay? Oh, no. Because <laughs> I wanted healing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and what we don't realize is we pray our will, not God's will. We want our will. We want God to placate. We want him to bend his will to our will. It doesn't work that way. That, that that's that is so myopic. If I believe that he is really there, and he's really God, mm-hmm. he's really as big, and, and part of the reason why we have discovered so much vastness in our universe and the universes that are beyond is to say, "Hey, I'm a little bigger than you think I am." Yeah, and if we really get to know him for who he really is. We're 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 going to stop these games, and we're going to be honest with him and ourselves. So, how do you answer the question? Let's say let's say I'm because uh, I hear this question all the time, right? Well, if God really loves me, <laughs> right? If God made me in His image, and God has predestined my my life, He knows what my needs are. He really loves me. Why would He put me through this? Because why would a God of love do that to me? Because in putting you through that, you're going to arrive upon the greatest answer you're ever going to arrive upon, and that's Him. And He knows He knows the best formula for all of us. For me, it was my mom died when I was five years old. Uh, now, did He, in time past, ordain that? I don't think so. I believe there's the, you know, there's the decreed will of God, nothing's going to change it. And then there's the permissive will of God. There has to be the permissive will because without it, you don't have love. And elaborate you don't have, elaborate you know, on that. You don't have relationship without love. De- decreed versus passive. Well, I wouldn't say passive. When you say that, what do you yeah, mean? I, decreed means this is, this is the way it's going to happen no matter what I've dictated. I've, I've, yeah. I've spelled this out. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the world is going to be in existence as it is for as long as I've determined. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, you know, the Lord Jesus says in, in Matthew 25 or 24, 24, 25, 24. Yeah. He says, speaking of the end times that the deceiver will be successful even to the point, if it were possible for even the elect to lose their salvation. So the elect is referring to those who believed in, in Lord Jesus as their Savior. And, and, and so God is saying in that verse, you know what? It is possible for even the elect to be so deceived that they turn their backs totally on the truth. It's possible. And now some people would say that's heresy. No, because the heart's involved. And once the heart gets involved, that's the real 
that's the real arena where we want to get to because that's the arena of love and relationship. And so there are certain things that will not happen. So I can bank personally that even though I know that in my soul, I could turn my back on it today. I won't because he's decreed that I won't. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they want to argue about, you know, they want to say, so you're saying that somebody can get saved and do whatever they want to and still be saved. Yeah, absolutely. Because their salvation is not dependent on their goodness or their performance in any way. You know, the big lie is, you know, my value is measured by my performance plus what others, including God, thinks of it. That's the big lie. And if we can free ourselves of that, then we begin to really begin to live. And, and to learn of this love, this God of love, whose love shows up in our lives, even in the death of our mom when we're five years old. I think the, the question that you just, you know, that posed, you know, when people say, oh, you mean to say that if I were, you know, saved, I could go do whatever I want. I wouldn't lose my salvation. Right. I think the people that ask that question, the part that they miss is that if you truly have accepted salvation, right. If you truly have been saved, you never would do that. Right. Because of the love you have for the Lord. Right. You wouldn't, yeah. I mean, now I'm not saying you're never going to go sin. That's a different conversation, right? right? Because right. we we kind of go on autopilot during the day. It's not like every second, I look, everything I do, I'm like, would I do this because yeah. God wants me to, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of how things happen, right? But the idea that you would like accept salvation so you could do anything you wanted to, to me, those two things are completely contradictory. You would not do that if you truly love the Lord because you don't, it kind of comes back to that conversation we had earlier, right? You don't follow the, the commandments, the way you're told to live, or the way you're instructed to live, because it's a set of rules. You do it because you want to please the Lord who's given you salvation, right? It's, yeah. it's because you love him. Yeah, and, and there's an intelligence to obe obeying God. You know, it, it, there's some things that are just dumb, but we don't... We, Sometimes, There's no shortage of that. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> we don't. We're not convinced of that. Yeah, you know, we might be convinced of that in certain arenas, but I remember I was about a month old in my faith, and this gorgeous girl came to our neighborhood. And to make a long, long story short, um, she and I were alone, and I could have done anything I wanted to, but I was a brand new Christian, and I didn't understand that, and surprisingly I made a choice that you know for years I hadn't before and the next morning I get a phone call from a friend and uh, Mark Mark says hey uh were you with so-and-so last night and I said yeah I was and now mind you I hadn't seen Mark since we graduated from high school which was months before mm -hmm. this was November uh I well, no, it wasn't November. It was a little bit later. But Mark says, you didn't have sex with her, did you? And I said, no. He said, good. She gave me gonorrhea. And oh, my goodness. I, I thought, I remember, I didn't think there's an intelligence behind obeying God. But that's what I learned out of that eventually. And it's in every arena of life. 
every, I mean, my, the temptation for me to talk about someone badly behind their back is stupid. Meaning? I, I don't see the intelligence of doing it God's way, of resisting the temptation to talk badly about that person behind their back, which is gossip. Um, and, and you can say that about anything that is a deviation from what he has said is true. Well, I almost don't remember what it was like living up in the Midwest because I've moved down here so long ago. But gossip in the South, <laughs> which is supposed to be the Bible Belt, is a combat sport. Yes. I mean, it is one of the things that I see happen constantly. Uh and people don't even bat an eye about it, you know? Um, and it's one of those ones that people say, oh, that's harmless, right? It's not harmless. Mm -hmm. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. It caused so much damage. Mm -hmm. Not just to those we exacted upon. No, I think it ourselves. causes damage to ourselves. Oh, yeah. It yeah. puts, it's like the, you know, the whole thing of the, um, you know, it, does that mean I got to go? Yeah. Is that like Mr. Rogers taking his tennis shoes off and putting his other shoes back on? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, because it's, uh, it's, it's the old saying of, of you know, uh, you know, drinking poison, expecting, you know, me drinking poison, expecting the other person to get sick. Yeah. Uh, it really does damage you, I think. Absolutely. And, and that's just one example. There are, there are, I mean, there are examples in every way. I, I, uh, I work with people daily <clears throat> and I, over and over, I see people having conflicts in their lives and then trying to garner help from others to safeguard what, what they're seeing without even knowing it. They don't know that they're coddling their own sin and usually bitterness is in that arena. It could be a, a number of other, it could be, it could be coddling, you know, that feeling of deep woundedness that I've handled incorrectly. Um, because when, when woundedness comes into our existence, it always has as its design, not that God caused it or, but he definitely allowed it. It always has as its design, run to God, Abba Father. And uh, God desires for us on a day-by-day -day basis to experience, experience a certain measure of intimacy with him. And I'm hoping that I'm more intimate with him than I was, you know, 20 years ago, which I am. But it, the intimacy is not what I thought it would be. Uh, and, and intimacy in and of itself, which largely has driven me in life. And it goes back to my mom died when I was five. Uh, all of us have patterns of thinking in our minds that, uh, that have been informed by largely those first six years of our lives. 
and we could spend hours on this subject those first six years because we're just you know we're just taking in everything as as a little child and and all these things are coming in unfiltered we don't even know what to do with they come in our souls and they reside there and they begin to express themselves without us even knowing it and you know a, a lot of my walk with god has been him showing me that stuff it's not what's being exacted on the outside of me it's not what the, the the ill treatment that i get from somebody today no it's it's what's inside me and how how that impacts my response getting back to that lou hulks right and uh you know maybe maybe the next time we do this we can delve into this because just the psychology behind all of that is amazing. Yeah. And a lot of people are trapped by that and they don't even know it. No, I agree with you. I, I, um, I had Josh Ortegan on a few weeks ago and we, we kind of towards the end started to get into like woundedness and, um, some of the things that young men, especially with the, the lack of fathers in the homes right now mm-hmm. that we see, you know, in athletes mm-hmm. of these kids coming through and, and emulating or putting out this persona that they perceive to be mm-hmm. what a man is. Mm-hmm. Right. But how wounded and broken they are internally. And that that's basically just this kind of thing that they're doing uh, because that's, what they think they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But I think what would be really neat would to be kind of to do a series almost right. And to hit a different kind of component, you know, each time we sit down dispersed with obviously a lot of the other stuff that I'm doing, but, and just kind of identify some pillars, not just of, you know, not pillars of like, what are you supposed to do, but maybe almost like pillars of brokenness. Like, you know, I, I let off and I honestly, this was not even the intention of the convo of the question, but I kind of let off with this question of, uh, the question of that people that I get into these conversations with people all the time is what's going on with our country. Right. And you went into a long conversation about love. Right. (laughs) But I think on the other side of love is brokenness. And I think there's a ton of brokenness mm-hmm. in our society today. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to explore those things more. Yeah. So we should do that. One book I would encourage everybody to read is the search for significance. Um, and I'm, the author of it is eluding me. It should not because it's one of the best. It's one of the number one books I've ever read. And I've read it many, many times. Um, the search for significance. That's where I got the idea of, you know, we are, we're all created to be loved and to love. And out of being loved, we gain security. Out of loving, we gain significance. Uh, the, uh, the big lie that I, the formula that I gave earlier, you know, uh, my value is measured by my performance plus what other people, including God, think of my performance that came from that book, the search for significance. It's a thick book. It's a hard read. Most people won't read it because they don't, they don't hunger and thirst enough. Um, 
but I would recommend a reading of that book. It's tremendous. I'm looking it up right now and see who the, the author is. Uh, the search for significance. When you look up stupid crap on the <laughs> internet, you can find it the minute you want to. But, this is true. This is true. Uh, Luther? No. No? No. Search for significance um, was written... Search for significance book. Here it is. Here it is. Who is it? Uh, oh my goodness! I love these ads that <laughs> Robert Robert McGee. Robert. Yeah. And I, and, okay. And you know gotcha. who you know who suggested that book to me, and it was this hmm. was thirty years ago. Who? Kenny Crosswhite, who's the chaplain for NASCAR. Oh, okay. And uh, he owns Perception Ministries uh, here in in Columbia, but uh, Kenny's. Long, long-time favorite communicator of mine. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, man. My pleasure. It's, this Let's is kind of like one of those. Uh, this is an extension of our men's group. So, yeah. if you're in Columbia and you listen to this and you like the conversation, text one of us. Come join Wednesday us. mornings, man. Wednesday right? mornings at seven fifteen, yeah. and uh, we'll figure out offline what we're going to hit on next. But I think we could touch some stuff that would be cool. Sounds great. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. See you, man. Mm -hmm.